Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Babe. I'm here with friend, Lawler, musician, Johnny Pierce. Hey, hey. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I love your apartment. Thank you. In LA, do you, um, I, I had a question when I was walking over here, actually, why did you choose to live in West Hollywood? And like, I feel like you would vibe with the East side a little bit. I started out as like a West side adjacent person. And then I was on the West side in Santa Monica for like a year and a half. And West Hollywood, I've always been the kind of person that wants to be like right in the mix of whatever like perceived chicness is happening. So West Hollywood really represented that to me when I first moved to this neighborhood. And then I was living in like an apartment a few blocks away from here. And this was before the East side was kind of as like chic as it is now. Mm -hmm. Like now it's really ideal over there. But when I first moved out to LA, it was like scary zone, like sunset curves. And then you're just like, what is this place? Right. And then I found this apartment and now I'm like, I can't really leave this apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I lived East. This is my second time moving back to LA. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I moved here three years ago. You just can't quit. (laughs) I moved here three years ago, went through a divorce and was like, Every, like every, uh, was living east uh-huh. and every street corner like was like a memory and i was just like it was so hyper true every like i'd go to forage and sit down and be like i was here with my ex yeah and it's just like the worst so i we actually, ate this kale salad yeah like i moved back to new york i also didn't love the east side because i mean i'm not like a wildly famous celebrity but in in Silver Lake, like mm-hmm. kids know my band. Okay. So like going to Intelligentsia for a coffee, like sometimes I could go there and like just do that quickly and easily. But nine times out of 10, like I just felt like a little bit exposed, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just like shy when it comes to that. Yeah. I'm, like insecure about that. Like when f- people run up on the street I feel like really like I I'm so wildly uncomfortable. I cannot wait for it to be over. Like yeah. I don't bask in that moment. I'm mm-hmm. always like, um, it's not because they're annoying me. It's because it's literally I annoy myself. You're uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I annoy this shit out of myself. But um, so anyway, yeah, I I got out and went back to New York and just kind of like refocused, reset. Moved to Belgium for a second. Whoa. I didn't even want to get into it, but I like, <laughs> fa- fell in love and moved to Belgium. Literally got an apartment with this person. Holy shit. Lasted two months. As it does. As it does. Classic Belgian move. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm a crazy person. He was like 21. I was 35. Wow. Like, I mean, I'm just like a little, I go in. An artist and his muse. Oh my God. Beyond. Yeah. And, uh, but then. After a while, I I felt like I needed to come back to New York, to L.A. specifically to do co-writing with other artists. It doesn't really happen in New York, and so I moved. I I lucked out and found this great place in West Hollywood, which wasn't a place I was considering. But then I, I just kind of looked around. And I was like, "Why wouldn't I live here? Like, yeah, I'm kind of anonymous here. It's like so beautiful. It's so quiet." It's like all the things that I wanted in a I know space. the building that you live in and yeah. it is another like beautiful because I just there's so many beautiful apartment buildings in West Hollywood that are kind of that like 
either like an old Hollywood Regency kind of vibe or like a Spanish. And it just, that is like quintessential LA dreamy to me. And I like that. It really is. It was like the best. And so, well, now here I am. Mm -hmm. You have advertisers. I do. It's amazing. Congrats. (laughs) That must've been a huge moment. (laughs) That was huge. It didn't really hit me until... I got my first like check from the ads and then I was like, Oh, this is like a legit thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, it's been legit, but like that felt like a new, a step into like, Oh yeah. I mean, I can shill products. It's sick. Yeah. I mean, I don't really usually listen to ads, but, Mm -hmm. um, the fact that you have them, it must just feel like I have a feel, I feel if, if I had a podcast, the moment someone was like, Hey, we want to advertise on your pod. Mm-hmm. I would be like, Oh, it's like a, this is like a real thing. Yeah. It feels very real. Do you ever get anxiety like that? Like, do you ever feel a fear of running out of content for, or I sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Like today I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but I feel right. like we're both like funny, interesting people. The so whole way like... here. I was like, well, not just the whole way here. Like since we <laughs> confirmed, cause I had had this idea that like, Oh my God, it'd be so fun to do a babe podcast yeah. episode. Like, but I was like, I don't want to be the one to ask because like, I don't know if like Lars would just be like nice and say, okay. And then feel like weird. So it was like so nice that you like asked. And of course I was like, yes, right away. It's like my favorite podcast oh for my God. sure. Like my I'm fave. I think I've heard every honored. episode other than like two, but everything else. I mean, I'm like riveted. I will listen to it on my hikes. I, I mean, like if a babe episode comes out, I just drop everything. <laughs> oh I just God. love it. I love it. Thank you. Um, and I want the whole world to hear it. And I mean, sounds to me like it's popping off for you. Like yeah. This podcast, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's going well. And it's like, it's just at a point now where I feel like I have to hone everything in a little bit and be like, how do I grow all of this, but also give myself enough time and energy to work on other stuff because I don't want to just podcast is the only thing I do. Like I need to be writing and I'm feeling like called to do that again. Like books. Yeah. Like books and just like, um, developing TV shows. I want to do like a, like a more of a straightforward, like journalistic type of podcast, Mm. but that would require a team of people to like make that happen. That would tie into a lot of writing projects that I want to do. But so it's kind of like, okay, I have, I've set up everything that I'm doing right now, podcast wise, but how do I make this sustainable for like long term? And how do you like almost use it as a springboard to do other things that you really want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like you're on your way. I mean, that's what it seems like. I mean, it does. You know it does. I me. get really frustrated sometimes because I'm like, I've been doing this for like a year. Like, why hasn't anything <laughs> happened? And then right. I'm like, okay, calm down. Like, yeah. Goop is 10 years old and now it's like, now it took it's her. Popping, yeah, yeah. And now it's really popping. So yeah. like, it's okay if things go a little slower than you expect. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. That is like the lesson like for the year for me is like, just like being chill with things not being so immediate like, yeah but not just projects i'm working on but like just just everything and moving to la i mean i have been like so terrified of i like if things aren't moving quickly i feel like everything's gonna fall apart Same. Like my life is held together by scotch tape like literally like so fragile yeah and vulnerable i'm like uh existing in the stillness and like having one or two or three days go by where nothing happens i'm, I'm literally, literally like, i'm gonna free. die yeah oh i'm yeah. like i'm losing all my money like slowly i'm it's like i'm like taking gonna... naps during the day and just like yeah. like being a kind of a weirdo mm -hmm. you know like i don't know what to do should i have another coffee should i not like what well, like, like i literally don't know how like my body just feels crazy yeah it's not even just my mind like my 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 mind sort of like influences how my body's feeling and just like my whole aura just gets kind of wacky mm -hmm. and i think it's from like like when i grew up being a gay kid born again pastors for parents both of them homeschooled The Bible was literally our science textbook. Like yeah. the earth is 6,000 years old, all this stuff. And then I'm like, by the way, I'm gay. And they're just like having a heart attack, you know, like <laughs> it was like, crazy. Explode. Yeah. Yeah. So like from a very young age, I was kind of like, okay, I got to go, go, go. Like I literally was like, I got to get out of here, mm -hmm. you know? And like, it was really unpleasant. There was a lot of trauma but I, I I got out, but it was only from being like scrappy and like keeping it moving. Like really, like yeah. from the age of like 13, I I started working at like, at a, I was a paper boy and then I started working at a sub shop. Then I was working at a shoe shop. Then I worked front desk at a hotel and I did laundry for some, like I was just, I would take any job. There was a time where I had three jobs at once. I just needed to see like results mm -hmm. all the time, even at a small level like that. And uh, it carried over into my adult life. Like this sort of like, I need to see something moving, something happening. Yeah. Or else I just feel like I literally can go from like a blissful, like hopeful, calm, peaceful, excited state to I can just plummet in, in an hour's time sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I just, it's so quick and, and it, I used to not be able to, like, I think moving to LA has forced me to, like, deal Slow with down. that. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I have, everything moves at a snail's pace here. Oh, my God. I mean, I got this apartment, and it's beautiful, and it's, it's like, bigger than I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Like, big spaces that are kind of empty depress me, and, like, I kind of knew that, but I thought maybe I could kind of figure that out. But I, I do get depressed in my apartment. I do. Like, oh, yeah. I'm in there, and I'm just like, okay, I'm... I'm a person sitting in a chair in an apartment. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, okay. Like, that's what's going on. You've got to get yourself to West Elm. I get the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> no, I make it worse because, like, I'm the type that, like... You're minimalist. Well, I'm minimalist. And, like, but, like, I also, like, get... 
Like if I don't leave the house for a day, mm-hmm. which happens sometimes, instead of the next day being like, okay, I got to get out of the house, it almost becomes like I get like, like even more like bound to my to my house. That's one hundred percent me. It is the and then to leave after a few days feels like fucking Indiana Jones or something. It's really hard for <laughs> me to leave. Like it's it's both a blessing and a curse because I love my apartment so much. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, and I also work here too. So it's like there's so many excuses to never go anywhere. Yeah. But I realize like I can't be a mole person that much longer yeah. and like maintain my sanity. But do you have this thing where like you you're in your space and then you go out and leave and you like yearn to be back in your space. Yeah. You're just like, okay, I'll go to lunch. And the whole time at lunch, you're like, when's this, I know when we get in the check, I was having that a lot. Like even in January where I was like, God, like I really would rather be at home, like in my bed with my plants right now. Everyone else is like, should we go to the movies next? And I'm just like, what are we talking about? (laughs) Like, and then I'm thinking like, am I like, am I terrible? Like, am I just this weird, it's just always been that way f- for me. Like mm-hmm. I love a hang with an exit. I have to have an exit. Yeah. I love like I I have to figure out the social the balance of being social and then like hermetic, I guess, mm-hmm. because I do get a lot from hanging out with people. Like it feeds a part of me that's really important, but I also love alone time like yeah. so much and to just like get weird and like talk to myself and like think of, I love to hang just, upside down. Yeah. Hang upside down, watch Sopranos, just think right. about things for a really long time. Yeah. Like I live to just like think, but <sighs> then too much of that, you'd start to feel like a freak. And I really started to feel like, like isolated and freaky. So it's time. It's like, I got to now walk it back to being social. But in the past I've gone from like, like it's all extremes for me in a way where I'll be like going out all the time and like partying and like blah, blah, blah. And so now that I don't really party as much anymore, I'm like, how do I go out and just be like normal? It's not possible. Like drugs and alcohol are the only way. It's Sorry. Literally the only path <laughs> to like faux happiness for a moment. Now, I, yeah, no, I think life is meant to be like the best life lived, I think, is one with like balance. Mm-hmm. Well, you duh, know? yeah. That, but like, that's how the do obvious it... statement? But I don't like that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just like, I have tried my entire adult life to like have that balance, but I am just such an extremist when it comes to like, if I'm doing health, mm-hmm. like this lectin thing I'm doing. Oh yeah. Or not doing. Health. Johnny is anti-lectin. I'm anti-lectin through and through. I love it. That's I'm very a- goop of you. They had a I know. podcast. Did you listen oh, to the podcast? Really? No, I've lectins? never heard it. I'll have to send it to you. I like your podcast because it's like this filtered I version. give you some goop through. Exactly. Via babe, yeah. Through Lars Filter. There was a doctor that's like firmly believes that lectins are the root cause of like all inflammation and blah, blah, blah. And then I was reading into it, it and I was like, it is like he's right about everything. Like lectins are Satan. So I was introduced. I didn't even I'd never heard the term lectin. 
lectin, but mm-hmm. like gluten is a lectin, but there's yeah. thousands of lectins. Like gluten's just the one that's like famous. Yeah. But so, lectins are like the skin on tomatoes. Skin on tomatoes and skin like the membranes around like seeds. Oh yeah. So like nightshades. Nightshades. Are bad, lectin, bad, bad, bad. Like packed with lectins. Eggplant and tomato. You can't even touch them. Like, like if, um, like if a cricket, eats part of a tomato it like gets paralyzed yeah it's a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. in the plant all living species want to thrive and produce offspring and so like everything from humans to a blade of grass is like i want to thrive yeah that's just what life is and so most things including all fruits and vegetables, fruits and vegetables with seeds other than like avocado. And I think avocado is like the only fruit that has a seed that you can eat. Mm -hmm. Um, you can have bananas if they're green because the lectins haven't formed yet. Oh God. So like a ripe banana, like you're asking for it. You're asking to die. Arthritis and death. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like a short, miserable life. But, don't like the um don't some cultures know their preparation of certain foods like tomatoes like don't the italians know how to prepare tomatoes in such a way that takes the lectins out that's a big part of it yeah like there's certain cultures like um this lectins you're right about like some regions of Mm -hmm. italy cook the tomatoes the right way yeah peel them and de-seed them and pressure cook them and all this stuff and then there's the tomato you can actually eat and Mm -hmm. not suffer from and it's the same with like grains. There's ancient <clears throat> ways of preparing like rice and different things like that. But it, it involves like you, I can have rice, but I have to pressure cook it for like a half hour, or yeah. five minutes or something, get all the lectins out. So like this also like moving to LA and like it's unleashed. everything slows down. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, at least I can have Sour Patch Kids. And then like, oh no like like i'll go to the movies or something i'm so bored i'll go to the movies Mm -hmm. you go to the movies i'm like oh my god i can't have corn i can't have popcorn like is popcorn is corn a lectin corn is like the worst the worst okay wait so what aren't you eating right now i'm not eating anything (laughs) (laughs) you're like i'm eating i'm suffering 24 hours a day and sitting in my apartment i'm always hungry with no furniture with no furniture (laughs) (laughs) and to add to it like when i moved here i was going through a breakup like mid like actually right at the beginning like the most like painful part of a breakup where you're just like no i don't want this to be happening so it was like empty apartment no furniture no food Mm -hmm. like how do you love of my life like ripped away I just like cried in bed for like two weeks yeah, and then like pulled myself together a little bit and like went on to like CB2 and started (laughs) shuffling around (laughs) waiting for a 40% off sale. Well, you look really great. Oh, thank you. This diet of heartbreak, pressure cooked rice. I think it's helped my skin a little bit. Yeah. Your skin looks fabulous. You have a glow. Well, I just got back from, I went to Holbosch in Mexico. Do you know Holbosch? No. Oh my god! Is this like a new? I feel like I saw someone. Okay, yeah, I saw someone else Instagramming from this exact place, and I was like, "Hmm," because I read that New York Magazine article about who killed Tulum. Tulum's fucking over. It's disgusting. It's not over yet. It's still (laughs) cute. (laughs) 
Don't I've shit on my there, vacation. So I'm going to be a hater. <laughs> but you were in the new Tulum. I was in the new Tulum. So you fly into Cancun. It's it's a two hour cab ride. Wow. I love destinations where yeah. it's like a I journey like it to, to get be there. Trolled to get there. Yeah. Well, you know what it does? It like weeds out the riffraff. Mm-hmm. Like people who would like love Sandals Resort. Like yeah don't want to travel two hours, get on a ferry, travel another hour mm-hmm. to get on an island they've never been to and don't know much about. Yeah. Like, it's too scary for... I want to be put through hell and question everything. But then come out the other side Yeah, victorious. and then get to the place yeah. and be like, yes, but then be put through hell again when I leave so that I'm <laughs> so sad to be leaving. Yeah, and it like keeps that memory of like... <laughs> That island is just like pure paradise and anything surrounding it is terrible. Like, mm-hmm. And I was there. Yeah. I ha- actually had um, my ex who, who, who I broke up. We broke up mutually. Um, still getting over it. But he he told me he went to his family always goes on these. He's, he's French, Belgian, and his family goes on chic holidays all the time. He told me about this restaurant somewhere in Europe, maybe in Greece or something, where there's there's a restaurant like on this tiny little island, and the only way to get to it is to what is it, hang gliding? Like uh, <laughs> you literally like have a guy, and you like get you, you strap know, yourself to a man to this guy, wow, and you hang glide down to this tiny little island, and I never asked him how you get off the island. But yeah. there must be a boat. There must be a boat that takes you something. back. But I like these like it's high stakes dining. I, <laughs> <laughs> they're bred to be a welcome cocktail. That's all yeah. I can say. <laughs> With like some CBD in it or something. But like, yeah, I mean, I like stuff like that. Yeah, I was in Marseille last year and exploring nude beaches which i had never done before like my i've never been to a nude beach before growing up it was like modesty was like holiness yeah and like so i i I have three brothers i've never are they younger than you uh one is older two are younger okay never once seen any of them with their shirts off never not like never working or having on a hot day they swim with a shirt on I don't think I've ever been swimming with them. When we grew up, it was like every man for himself. We all yeah. kind of had our own little lives. Like mm-hmm. It was like part of survival in a way. Like So let's just backtrack for a second. Oh, yeah. So you grew up in <clears throat> Pentecostal church? Pentecostal. Okay. Praying in tongues. Wow. Like when I was sick. And what part like, of the country the were, were you in? the oil on the forehead. Upstate New York. Upstate New York. Okay. The Finger Lakes region. Wow. Yeah. Like so five hours really north of the city. Like near Canada. In a community, it was like a small community of people. So like on a map, there'll be a little dot that says Elmira. And then the town I'm from is called Horseheads. Wow. Um, Foreboding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's where I was born and raised. My father started a church in, his, in my grandmother's living room. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of blew up. And it became, at least when it's, it's kind of dwindling now, but when I was a boy and a teenager, it was sort of like a super church. You know how Texas has those big yeah. like, plasticky, but huge with like huge screens yeah. and everything. I mean, it wasn't like immense like that, but it was like it was a, big, a small town version of that or something like, yeah, yeah like Horse we had to have multiple services every Sunday because there wasn't enough room. Like we'd have like three services in a row. So 
people would come like on shifts almost. Wow. So when you, for like a worship service, is it, do you sing the hymnals that like, Oh no. It's It's like like Hillsong stuff. Oh, so you have your own like, like a whole rock songs band. and everything. And the rock band was, um, yeah, there were some original songs. Okay. My brother would write, my brother was the worship leader. Okay. So, but there was like bass, guitar, drums, and like a saxophone and, you know. Oh, this is contemporary. Oh, For yeah. For some reason I was it picturing was. it to be very like. Like traditional? Yeah, traditional. No, oh, no okay. this, so is this, like, was like, this is fringe cult, like. New agey almost. <sighs> It's like new it but old. It's like they are Bible literalists. Mm-hmm. So like thou shall not like man shall not lie with a man. Like yeah, they're just like staunch about that. And you and I'll say to my dad, oh, but dad, like the verse before that says like it's also a, an abomination to eat shellfish. Mm-hmm. And the verse before that says it's also an abomination to wear an outfit with two different types of fabric. Yeah, like right there. And, you know, but he'll still go to, like, the Chinese buffet every Sunday after service and eat shellfish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, so, I, I don't know. It's, like, really weird. But they, they, they claim to be Bible, like, literalists. Yeah. And, but then there is, like, this contemporary thing where they're just, you know, they have, like, modern music. They're interested. The whole idea is to, like, bring in the youth. So if they're stuffy and dusty, like kids aren't going to want to come. So everything is about like outreach. It's very like evangelical, like even like evangelizing. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have like hip music, hip music, get the kids in. Was that how you first got into music? Um, I think so. Yeah. Like my, my whole family's really musical. Like my brothers all play like they play bass guitar, like wind instruments, like they do it all. Mm-hmm. My dad's the same. My mom plays guitar and bass and sings. And, and so like that my sisters both sing, they don't really play anything, but they were just always interested in singing. So they both sing, they've, they sing really well. So yeah, I grew up around music. Um, and when my father decided to update like the synthesizers in the church, he um, gave me like this old analog synth that he had been using as like an organ, you know? And so I took it to my room and like that began this like process of like falling in love with music and writing original songs. And <clears throat> it's really crazy. Like I can tell you, I think my greatest talent is not songwriting. I think my greatest talent is like being in the right place at the right time with the right thing to offer to the right person. Like, so I'm like, God, how old am I? I'm probably 18 at this point Mm -hmm. going through conversion therapy. Like they, when did you come out to them? How old were you when you came out? I never really came out. They just like found like gay porn. Oh, so they were like (laughs) on my 18th birthday at like the stroke of midnight, I jumped into the church 15 passenger van mm-hmm. and drove to the adult bookstore uh, in the neighboring town. Yeah. And, like bought the cheapest thing I could find. It was like a, th- it was like a th- three magazines, like wrapped in saran wrap or something. For, yeah. Like, four bucks. Like, of gay porn. Gay porn. <laughs> called like yes. pony boy or <laughs> cult or something like that. <laughs> 
They like smelled like someone had already come on them. You yeah, know? they did. They probably <laughs> came, like in return that it was like in the library it, section. I can of smell them. it right now. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's like the take swap. a book, leave one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the stroke of midnight. Literally dying to get their hands on free some gay point. Oh, what did yeah. you do prior to that? Just like imagine things. Yeah, yeah, I did. There was if this, no one ever had their shirts off, and no one like there was this guy in my church who his name was John Early, and he was just like so good looking. He was like would, would wear these jeans, these Levi's, and he had like this perfect ass. Mm-hmm. Like so, actually, the first time I ever, you know, came thinking about a guy was like. I was dating this dating. I was kind of like in love with this Puerto Rican girl. Mm-hmm. And my brother was like dating her sister and it's like a small town. And I was like, you know, jerking off thinking about her. And then out of nowhere, like a millisecond before I was about to come, like he popped into my head and not just him, but like this image of him on all fours, like in our church oh, like at the altar. Yes, I'm like walking hot. up behind him, like the whole thing. Was he naked or in the Levi's? No, he had the Levi's. I was fully, like more okay. about the I, Levi's. I was like intuiting. I was like, I yeah. see it all with Levi's, uh, but I just wanted to make sure that our fantasies were aligned. All about the Levi's. Okay. Amazing. And it's funny. Cause my father, it's like, you know, when he, um, you know, found the magazines because I had put, so I went to the adult bookstore mm-hmm. I came back and I had them shoved down my pants, like in the front. My father was like, never, um, really, he was always home, but he was not in my life. Like he had an office and the door was always locked and he was in there from like sun up to sundown. Yeah. Like the only time we saw him was like when he would punish us, like he was our disciplinarian basically. And he kind of let us know that like, that's my rule. My rules. He literally told me my rule is not to be your friend. My, my role is to discipline you. Mm-hmm. So it was like this weird, actually like terrible relationship with him. Like I almost feel like I'd rather him not be there at all than like have that like looming heavy, yeah. And I know your father was like not always around and stuff. So not really around, but like I my mom used to say that growing up, like I'm not here to be your friend, like blah blah blah, which now we are great friends and have like a wonderful relationship, but that always pissed me off too. I'm like, but then did what you the feel fuck? her love out? Like she might say that, but did you feel like for a while? I felt like I didn't. I yeah. just felt like you're literally here to like fuck with me then, yeah. and like that's your primary like goal, and like fuck off yeah it doesn't do that like Like, i I hate this i I don't understand like and i understand where she was coming from now like hindsight 2020 whatever but i feel like that's such a limiting like why would i would not want to tell my child like don't you never i'm not here to make friends like don't ever think that we'll get to like a friend place because it feels like oh it takes away some sort of intimacy or understanding of each other never forget like where exactly where i was sitting when she said when my when my dad said that to me like it was a traumatic moment yeah and i remember crying just being like what why can't we be friends you Mm -hmm. know and he was just like weird about it so i come home and sneak back into the house it's like probably 12 30 in the morning my father who never hugged me never showed me affection is standing i walk through the laundry room open the door to the kitchen thinking i'm just gonna slide upstairs my dad's standing in the kitchen arms crossed leaning against the counter just looking at me no 
And of course, like I must have looked <laughs> so guilty. <laughs> and he walks up to me and just very slowly just lifts up my t-shirt. Like, like he had followed me to. Yeah. He knew. He's always had this weird, like he, oh, I could never get anything past him. Yeah. Ever. It was so weird. So it's annoying. Cause I'm like, you're not even around. How do you know? Yeah. Like, what? You also kind of had no chill by being like at the stroke of midnight. <laughs> he like getting knew it was coming. And then, like coming back. He was he's ready. Like, yeah, I wonder where my son went. Right. Like, he might not have known it was gay porn, but he was like something's up. Oh, he with knew this it was kid. gay porn for sure. <laughs> but he like pulls slowly, just looking at me, and slowly pulls the magazines out and oh, just looks at what Christ. it is, and then he takes it, doesn't say a word, and just goes into his office, uh, locks the door. And I was like, have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, obviously so mortified. Like that was like punishment enough for me. Like I, I felt so embarrassed and like so gross or whatever. A couple months later after that, I'm getting back to your original. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. <clears throat> I was trying to give you a little context. Mm-hmm. So a couple months after that, or maybe it's like another year. I'm really bad with like dates and times. I always have been. So I apologize if the time, the timing's a little off sometime around then. Yeah. Not long after I, we got the internet and it was dial up and we were using these, this thing called like, like Juno. Okay. Yeah. It was Mm -hmm. like, we'd get these free CDs, you know how AOL would send CDs in the mail and you'd, it was all free CD, like free internet. AOL for a month, yeah. And then you just put another CD in and get it again. So it was like that, but it was Juno, and Juno let you be online for like ten minutes at a time, and then it kicked you off, and then you had to like do the whole thing and you know sign up or something. Anyway, so I'm all excited, like oh my god, because for someone like me who's been so sheltered and like hid away from the world with homeschooling and like church and. Like, this was, like, a tiny crack into, like, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And Yahoo had just started, yahoo.com, and they had, like, chat rooms, which was a new idea. And, like, aging myself like crazy right now. No, I remember all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I remember, and and it wasn't, like, now it's, like, BDSM, like, there's, like, every, like, micro-genre of like chat well i don't even know if they have it anymore but like i would imagine if they still have chat rooms for Mm -hmm. just anyone to go and chat there's like probably many many categories like subculture stuff but then it was just like gay chat like Mm -hmm. there was one room if you were lgbtq whatever you just go to that chat room and so i like creep downstairs and i'm like so nervous my hands are shaking and I get into that gay chat room and I just feel my heart like pounding. Yeah. It's just like boom, boom, boom. And I'm feeling like any minute my dad, who like for some reason I, I never get away with anything with him, like he's gonna, he must know I'm here right now. Like, but he doesn't. He doesn't wake up all night. And the first person I talked to in the chat room um, asked me what I do. And at the time I was folding laundry at a hotel, the graveyard shift. Mm-hmm. And I just said, 
Um, I, I'm, I'm a musician. I make music. And that was also true because I was, I was making music in my bedroom. But with that synthesizer, there was like nothing to really speak of. But I yeah. had like 18 songs done. And I sang And you my, would record them? And yeah, like to a four them. track okay. tape. And I would sing on top. And, and so I had these little like demos or whatever. And they said, oh, send me one. So I sent him one. I don't even think there were MP3s. And I think it was like Win files. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. I haven't like, how do you send it? I remember trying to burn a CD once, like before you could like, do it. Yeah. You to buy like a separate external thing yes and i thought i had burned like all the destiny's child songs i wanted onto it but then it would like still didn't work and i was so <laughs> devastated those were early days it was hard yeah. wow you're really doing it well so i mean i didn't have anything else to do mm-hmm. i didn't have like a bunch of friends to run around with or anything like that, <laughs> you can't you like know? take your shirt off when you're sweating so <laughs> might as well stay inside Just, like learn about <laughs> weird yeah so do you yeah. send this guy or I sent him I sent him the song one song and he said wow I really like this send, can you send me another do you have another and I said oh sure so I sent him another one and he said this is really great um what do you look like so I sent him a photo mm-hmm. and he and then he just said okay we need to stop everything how many songs do you have I said I think I have like 18 and he's like okay I'm a music manager in New York City what He's like, I discovered the strokes and I need you to come down to the city now, like tomorrow. I need to meet you. And so I, <laughs> what insane. the fuck? This is how everything started for me. This is amazing. Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah. No one knows the story. I don't really tell it, but, um, so I, the next day I just, I had a, a Kelly green Mazda pickup truck and I, jumped in it drove didn't tell anyone just mm-hmm. drove down i still remember he lived in hoboken new jersey 611 adams street i remember the name or the address i knocked on his door rang the doorbell and he pulls me inside just huge space like this giant like two level loft space and there's a studio also in the space and he pulls me in closes the door locks it and he leans on the door and he's like okay first things first like I have a fiance and she can't know how we met, but I really believe in you. We need to focus on the music. He goes in, in a year's time, I'm going to have you signed to a major label. And like six months later, I signed to Columbia records. Like it was just like from like gay chat room and horses to like New York city, like signing a contract in the Sony building on 55th street. Like it was insane. That's insane. That's amazing. It's fucking that crazy. story could have gone so far south. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not done with the story. Okay, cool. <laughs> so the record like totally flopped. 99.9% of stories that start out like this end with like to catch Death. a predator or worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we put the record out. Was so, this a record as the drums? Or? No, this was literally. This was like this you was like as seven a solo? years before the drums. Okay. Yeah, eight years before the drums. I, I, it was a band called Elkland. You can look it up. It's on Spotify. I don't know how or why, but I think Sony just puts every Sony owns Columbia. Mm-hmm. Did I don't know if they do anymore, but I'm sure they just threw it up there. Um, I hate the record. I hate how it sounds, and I hated it when we were recording it. Yeah, Columbia was basically like, "Here's the producers that are going to work on the record," and I was like at the time I was so green. I mean, I came from that little like church 
thing and homeschool thing. Mm -hmm. All I knew was literally like God, like Mm -hmm. that was my life. And suddenly I'm, you know, and I started dating a fashion photographer, like almost right away in New York. I was living in a loft in Tribeca and were you out and gay or were you still with women at this time? No, no. Out and gay. Okay. Out and gay in New York. Oh, in New York. I felt safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was never with a woman. Like I was just like, you were just like like dating church. You were going out. Yeah. I was just like, like I never saw her naked or Mm -hmm. kissed and I hated it. Or (laughs) her teeth would like clank together. (laughs) (laughs) Specific memories. Um, so yeah, I mean, I moved down to New York. We, they set me up with these producers and at the time, I was just like, anything you say, yeah. you're a record label. I'm this little kid from a small town. You know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I let them basically just destroy m- my songs. Mm-hmm. Like It was bad. And I'm friends with one of the producers still. And like he even looks at the record and he's like, what were we doing? Like, it's crazy. Uh, it's just so bad. So there was one song that kind of got a little buzz in New York, like with the underground scene, but like overall it was a total flop and I was devastated. You know, I was kind of like, this was my chance to like escape that hell that I was living in and it's gone. Like I got dropped from the label. No. Like, yeah. And I was just like, huh? Like that was, it was just such a world. It was so fast. It was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to sign you. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, my life is taking off. I know. Ne- I, I, genuinely had this plan to go to hotel management school like in minneapolis yeah (laughs) dream big (laughs) that but that was that was your big dream yeah that was big that was like people would be like oh that's really nice Mm -hmm. like in a town like that yeah like where every it's like there's a dollar general and like a movie theater Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that is a big dream like that's exciting to people um, so I was like, that's what I'll do. I'm good with people. Like, you know, I'm just going to do this. So my life took this like other turn. And so when that fell apart, I felt like, oh my God, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to have to move back to Horseheads. I'm going to have to go like live with my parents. Like, what am I going to do? Like, and, um, but I decided instead to like, get into cocaine <laughs> like knee deep in coke for years <laughs> love that <laughs> it's a full-time job it really it, it really became one mm-hmm. i actually like it got to the point where i wasn't sure if people were excited to that i was showing up to the party because they wanted to see me or because they knew that like the drugs were here yeah and that kind That's of a start, shitty feeling. that really fucked with me and that kind of i mean it didn't it didn't keep me from doing it mm-hmm. um I, I was really into it for a while yeah i mean i was i think i was running from a lot of pain i was running from this feeling of being a fail i felt like i was a failure like i was given this like lightning bolt of an opportunity and it mm-hmm. just slipped through my hands like well, only also, a loser like that could happen to a loser but yeah I, but it could happen to anyone that's the thing i know and it's not true but your brain just yeah you go you. right to that place of course. and like it ends up i'm sure being a good lesson in like, cause in just trying to develop your own voice or perspective or point of view and like learning about what that means to you and like how to value it and like hold that 
and keep it sacred when you're in a space with people that are constantly trying to kind of like mold it to whatever their expectations are. That is not something I've learned how to do until literally like this year. Mm -hmm. I have spent my entire life like losing sight of like who I am, like when it really counts, like when it's important to like hold on to who I am and like feel self-worth like, it's I'm so fragile in that space. Like Same. I, oh my god, it takes almost nothing, and I'm like, oh my god, like nobody even wants me here. Like, oh, what yeah, am I, what am I doing here? Like, how presumptuous of me to think these people would want me around? Like, I mean, I really, my brain goes nuts. My brain goes to like, who does she think she is? Space yes. immediately at yes. the sign of any sort of like perceived failure on my part, or even if I'm trying, like. My big thing right now is trying to like access my inner radiance at like all times and mm-hmm. be like, what can I do that will like make me feel like the radiant person I am? But I have this side of myself that is like, has it's been learned behavior to just like keep that down because it's like it either threatens people or like. Hmm. there it's threat it's threatening or people are refusal they refuse to want to see that or i function better in certain relationships where i do keep that down and like Mm -hmm. i like lessen myself in order to be around another person Mm -hmm. and so when i go into like trying to like vibe and feel myself there's this like side of me that's like who do you think you are like watch out like yeah this is all gonna fall apart like you look like an idiot right now like it's just the negative self-talk that like goes around in circles i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Have you ever, do you ever feel that like, I was writing an essay the other day and I wrote these words that like kind of took me by surprise. I don't know. I was just like, do you ever feel that you're sometimes like watching, like that you're watching your life from the sidelines? Like I wrote this piece called hologram the other day. And basically the gist of it was when I'm on stage or like when I like these big, amazing moments in my life, or if I'm in a room of people that I love, like there's, there's, many times where like I can't actually feel that moment even if I really want to Mm -hmm. like I'm like oh my god like all my friends are here and like and I just can't connect to the actual moment yeah it's because I'm thinking in my head like every worst possible scenario possible like it's a constant thing and like so like I don't know like I feel in a way that like I like like what we're talking about is like essentially like self-worth issues. right? Yeah. And self-esteem self-esteem and like going through, it sounds like, I mean, we had different upbringings, but I feel like a lot of that is like 
happens when you're a child and what you learn in like those very formative years definitely informs your self-esteem later in life. And I'm trying so hard to like build mine up and like just figure it out. Cause I feel like I look at other people who seemingly have like great self-esteem who had like parents that really instilled that in them and like nurtured that part of them. And I'm so jealous of that because I feel like it's one of those things you either have it or you don't. And I worry that sometimes I'm going to try and spend the rest of my life like trying to get mine up to just like a functioning like day to day place. That's the big question that I have for myself. Mm -hmm. And I guess for anyone dealing with this is like, do you actually ever wake up one day and feel like, I think I solved it. Like, I think I figured it out. Yeah. I'm a realist and I want to carry hope. And I, I think the truth for myself, I don't want to like speak over anyone else's life, but like, I'll make an I statement. Mm -hmm. I feel that I will most likely be needing to, I'll be in the spirit of maintaining. Yeah. My whole life. And that's what I feel like. Like when I'm feeling my best and confident, it's because I've done a shit ton of work. Mm -hmm. And it's not like work I've done a long time ago. It's like a lot of work I did that morning. Yeah. (laughs) Like to get to that space. Mm -hmm. And I usually like, like sitting here with you or doing a photo shoot or you know, presenting a song to the label or something like moments that require extra courage and self-confidence. Yeah. I spend a lot of time working myself right up to those moments, Mm -hmm. like sucking myself up and like literally repeating things in my head, like reminding myself of good moments that I've marked in my past. Like when I've, when I have triumphed, like I think of those moments and I sit there and I unscrew a bottle of lavender oil and I smell it (laughs) right before I walk into the room. Like literally I need all the help I can get Mm -hmm. to get to that space. My other trick is sometimes just literally like not think of anything and then walk into the room. But like either way, it's like, it's like maintaining and I just like, I don't see how, and and I think the moment I stop doing that, I, I feel myself starting to fall apart. Yeah. And so I guess I have this question and I, I don't feel hopeful about it. Um, and maybe I should, but I, I just, honestly, I just don't like, I don't know if like, I don't think that it's ever going to be something that I won't have to work at. Yeah. And maybe there's a piece that comes with just like letting that part go. Like maybe it's, maybe it's better to just confront that truth and say, okay, you know what? Like life is a fucking lottery ticket Mm -hmm. and some people scratch and they win big Mm -hmm. and some people win big in other ways, but have some struggles. And this might be just like yours or my like struggle in life where it's like we could have been like anything else. Some people don't have a left arm. Some people are like, yeah, have a lot of different There's like people without limbs that have more confidence than me. Same. (laughs) They're just like, we can do it. I'm like, how do you feel that How do you get to this like amazing, there are people that have like the most like horrific things happen to them 
and they're like just like thriving like hell yes and (laughs) i'm like literally just like a privileged white girl makes you feel exactly malaise exactly and like daddy issues and i'm just like every day it's like it's a struggle to stay alive sometimes but here's the thing like i i used to I used to sort of chastise people who spoke spoke of their victimhood. Is that a word that could be used? Mm-hmm. Like, I used to just, unless literally you were a refugee, like swimming on a, like drowning from a raft somewhere, like yeah. I would just be like, stop complaining. People have real problems. But I don't, I think that's really like, I think that's, a violent way to look at life. I really think we all do have problems and we, I think we can be grateful and we also can't just shove our issues under the carpet because other people might have it harder. Mm -hmm. Your issues are relevant and they're real and they affect you every day. Yeah. And there are other people who have, bigger problems but it doesn't mute yours Mm -hmm. you know yeah and so like i think it's just like it when we're talking about going through something difficult or dealing with our demons i think it's important to i think there's a, a a language you can use that's both sensitive to other people and speaking your truth Mm -hmm. you know yeah And I think it's just going to be every single person in this world will have a different set of struggles and problems that they have to deal with from like varying degrees. And that's just like how it goes this lifetime. That's how Next it goes. lifetime, you're going to have a whole different set of ones. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I think like... Are you still Christian? Do you still identify no, as Christian? No. Even, Are you, what do you like? Like when you talk anti Hillsong on these pods, I just like, <laughs> I literally pop a boner so big, like <laughs> creaming my pants on a hike. I'm just like dying. I hate I Hillsong. Lo- <laughs> Hillsong. I hate it so much. I'm like, they need to be put it's so in creepy. jail. I mean, it's but creepy. like, I grew up like Hillsong is like, I think more famous like in secular culture mm-hmm. now like people kind of know what it is a little bit yeah when i was growing up hillsong was just started but like that's half of the songs we would sing in our church were hillsong mm-hmm. songs like they're the ones that write all the worship songs for like contemporary christian churches yeah i'm sure that i've sung some hillsong songs growing up baptist i'm dating the editor of um <laughs> like talking about my breakup but i'm like i'm actually dating this <laughs> other guy you can have both. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can be sad about something and also be in love, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, yeah, he's, he's the music editor of office magazine. And, um, I was like, this guy's so cool. Like he interviewed me and we didn't leave each other's side for seven days and seven nights. We just like instantly like fell That's in love. That's very biblical. It was in <laughs> seven <laughs> days. And seven yeah. We're like putting blood over our doorway. <laughs> <laughs> Locust plague. Um, and we're like hanging out or whatever. And he, out of nowhere, he just starts singing this song, like, Our God is an Awesome God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love that, that so song. you know this song, Our too? God How? Is an awesome How do you God? know it? How did I you I went to church it? camp, like, all right. in, like, 
grade school and middle school, like every summer would go to church camp and we would gather in tabernacle and sing all these kind of contemporary songs. That was really the only time in like youth group that we would, our church would sing really contemporary songs. But how did your parents reconcile they weren't religious, right? My mom is religious. Oh, she is. Yeah. Oh, that's right. She, she is. Um, oh, so she loved it. Yeah, she loved it. So she's very involved in church and still sings in the choir and is like heavy duty into church. And I have very much gone the opposite way. If right. I had to say that I believe in anything, I think would be Buddhism. Right. But, and, and flat earth. Yeah. And flat earth. <laughs> <laughs> And I went the I other way. Anything, it would be Buddhism and that Sandy Hooks was a hoax. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Full truther. Yeah, I'm like a Buddhism and a 100% truther. <laughs> and like Michael Jackson was innocent. Okay, also Buddhism. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just... And Christianity... I remember making the choice to get baptized because it was like, that was a thing you did around a certain age. It was like, there's at the end of every Sunday church service, they sing like a really thoughtful song. I've been baptized eight times. Yeah. Wow. Eight times. It was like, why do you have to get baptized? Life was boring. No, I would literally be, they'd be like, who wants to get baptized? Oh, you could just do it. Because you go, you stand in front of a bunch of people and like you get all wet and shit. It was just Mm -hmm. like fun. Yeah. I was like, they play the like kind of slow, thoughtful song, and then if you have decided to get that, you emotional, yeah, it's the emotional part of the service. Then you go up to the front and you like declare that you're ready to like turn your life over to Jesus, right? And then everyone introduces themselves, and then you schedule your baptism, which is its whole other show. So they had uh. in my church behind where the choir would sit these two doors in the wall that you wouldn't be able to see, but in the service, like pretty early on when it was baptism time, they'd open and there would just be a pool that was like inexplicably there with a plexiglass. Very familiar. Yeah. And then the priest would be in a robe uh, or the pastor, Pastor, and then you would be in a robe as well. And in full like hair and makeup and then they would dip you down in front of everyone and up and then you would get all redressed up and showered and stuff and then go sit in church for the rest of church but it was like a whole it was performative and like would they like say sort of a prayer as they did it yeah but you got your own and now we baptize you in the name of the father Father, son son, and the holy spirit like and um, you got baptized once? Yeah, I got baptized once. Because it wasn't, I don't think, I mean, maybe I could have gone again and again. I wish that I could because it was a You fun can, time. I think, like, if you find, I think like, you can as much as you want. Like, when my dad found gay porn in my pants, like, he, he was just like, again. hey, what do you think about another baptism? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I think it's going to take more than water to solve this little problem, but sure. <laughs> no, I was down. Yeah. I was down. Baptism is fun, but like, I never. It's fun. It's very fun. It's fun. But I don't know. It's like I wanted to be a part of something or be closer to my mom. I remember telling her when I was going to get baptized that I wanted to. And then I cried and she cried, but I felt really close to her in that moment. And I think a lot of it was more about trying to find closeness with her Mm -hmm. than really about like. I so identify with this religion because I never identified with Christianity. I had a lot of questions. I was like, what about like 
my whole thing, I was like, what about people on an island that have never, ever heard of any of this stuff and they, like, aren't believers? Like, they're just going to go to fucking hell? That's not fair. Or little babies who die. Yeah. You know, like, they're born into this world and they die, you know, with SIDS or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, what about, do they go to hell? Do these infants go to hell because they didn't get a chance to accept Jesus into their heart? Yeah. I mean, you can look out the window and there's 20 reasons why. Yeah, there's just so many that just it doesn't add up life is so complex like, yeah to have something so rigid mm-hmm. makes no sense whatsoever and then to read about like science and stuff and you're like okay so like science says that the earth is really old like billions of years like the universe so like it can't just be like six thousand years ago my parents had like a default answer every time whenever something like that was presented like mm-hmm. oh but like dinosaur bones and stuff and they would just be like God planted those dinosaur bones to test our faith. You know, so like there was no getting away from it. Yeah, you're like, why is God gaming I'm like, me? Right, like, like why would God do that? That doesn't sound like God. To to test our faith, to see if we're faithful to him. Like so yeah. it was always like you're th- and they would always use this one. Like if something if there was just no making sense of something, like the Bible says this, but like this is actually happening and it's not what the Bible you know, they would just say you're seeing with man's eyes and you're thinking with man's mind, but we don't have the mind of God. So even if this seems like it doesn't make sense, only God really knows how it makes sense. Classic. And you're just like, gosh, I guess you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how can you argue with that? I guess we did walk with dinosaurs, like Mm -hmm. play with them. (laughs) (laughs) A lovely thought. Sounds great. Yeah. But like also not, true not a thing not a thing but there's like all sorts of little like bumper sticker quotes they use to to wiggle out of any corner that they're in yeah and that's just like hard for me i just have never identified with that like i love what i like about like buddhism is like that it really does talk about like your personal struggles and how to just like overcome suffering in your lifetime yeah because that's like something i think everyone deals with to some extent yeah and then it also has like the kind of Zen new age stuff that I enjoy that as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a little bit of everything. I would have no problem with any religion if like it didn't ultimately bring harm. Mm-hmm. Like anything that brings harm, I'm against it. Me like, too. Period. So if religion is part of that, then I'm against religion. It's that simple. Like anything that harms people. Yeah. You know, or if you're using your religion as an excuse to like ostracize or hurt someone else, should we do some reader mail? Oh my god, I forgot about this. This is the best. Yeah, yeah, okay. let's do it. We have a lot of people who have written in. Let's see, how many like people are people just bombarding you all the time with? People write a lot of emails. Like, I'm I get, shocked at how long they. Like, I know people they go in. tell me all their stories and like journeys. It's amazing. They it's like really, really great. trust you. They trust me, and they also are really good writers for the most part. Yeah, so I it's like that they have interesting shit to share. Yeah. Um, this one says, "Hi, Lara and guest. Thank you so much for the pod. It truly brightens my whole life." I'm writing to commiserate about our sacred fistula journeys. When I heard you at a fistula, I immediately felt seen and validated as I know only one other person who has had one and she is quite elderly. 
It all started for me in early summer 2018 when I thought I had an aggressive hemorrhoid that resulted in a full weekend flu brew journey. I'll save the gruesome details, but for weeks after there was so much blood and intense pain that I won't soon forget. In August, I saw a gastroenterologist and she diagnosed me with an anal fissure. She prescribed me a nitroglycerin ointment that I had to apply slightly inside and around my butthole three times a day for a couple of months a true gnaw. I really left escaping to my work bathroom at lunchtime, putting on a finger cot and dousing my anus with ointment. Oh, and I had to wear maxi pads the entire time because the ointment would eventually find its way out of my butthole and onto my underwear and then pants. As a side note, who doesn't love walking around with a wet butthole feeling for months? About two months in, she literally I- just sounds like a bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that wet butthole feeling. Not feel crazy to me. I love like straight or like hetero women have like going through all this stuff, and gays are this like is old hat. <laughs> when do I not feel that way? I just didn't know the term. Oh, man. About two months in, I felt like I was getting better until I did some traveling in early October. I don't know what it is about air travel, but I feel like the pressurized air wreaked havoc on my butthole, and I was now more in pain than ever. If you had an airplane. I was just thinking, like, have I ever felt, like, inflamed due to altitude? Well, I don't think so. No, No, I haven't had that. I've had that with sinuses, but never with my butt. I scheduled an emergency appointment with my gastro and she took one look and was like, girl, we've got a problem. She called a surgery center right then and I had a consultation the next morning. Eventually, my doctor, evidently my doctor was afraid I had MRSA on my butthole and surrounding tissues. As it turns out, I did not have MRSA. What's that? MRSA? I don't know. I was just going like ask a, you. It's flesh eating something. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't sound good. Whenever it's like four capitalized letters watch out i'm worried (laughs) i didn't have MRSA, but i had a pretty gnarly abscess fistula i was in surgery three days later like you i'd only ever had my wisdom teeth out and that was a perfectly fine experience for me on the day of my surgery the anesthesiologist gave me ativan on my way to the or i was knocked the fuck out and to this day i have no memory of the surgery the or or anything at all only waking up in recovery When I woke up, I felt nausea and vertigo to a level I've never experienced. They gave me anti-nausea meds, and as Mm. soon as I was able to sit up, they had me get dressed, and out the door I went. Bye. As my husband drove me home, I was increasingly more nauseous and unsteady. I've never felt anything like that before. I don't have a lot of recreational drug experience, but I was on the baddest of trips. My husband got me out of the car and opened the door to our home. I took two steps in, fell to my knees, and projectile vomited all over the floor and myself. The vomit came out with such a force that it felt like I was convulsing. I was so weak and truly out of it that I started taking my clothes off while I was laying on the living room floor. So now I'm completely naked, writhing, crying, and too weak and dizzy to get to the bathroom quick enough, but I had to throw up again. I'm now on all fours in my living room, heaving in a very yoga-centric cat-cow position, and I convulsively throw up so hard and violently that I pee myself and feel something shoot out of my butthole. (laughs) Turns out they had packed my butthole with gauze that was set to come out on its own, but now it was two feet across the room, having been shot out like a cannon. During this entire time, my poor husband was caught in a fight 
flight freeze moment, holding a roll of paper towels, staring in horror at what he had just witnessed. Long story short, I had a horrific reaction to the anesthesia and it lasted for about 24 hours, the worst 24 hours of my life. As a side note, I went back to my gastroenterologist in early December for a follow-up. She took one look at my butthole and said, wow, it's beautiful. What else could I ask for? I'm now pain-free with the butthole of a newborn. Oh. Anyway, it's sending healing to every butthole affected by this babe of a condition. Oh, my God. Wow. It sounded like she had some... First of all, that sounded like the review to that movie Climax. Like, <laughs> it literally sounds like the plot of Climax. <laughs> Climax is like at the top of my must see movies. I didn't get it in theaters and now it's like out of the, I'm waiting. Yeah. I looked, it's like only playing in long beach and I was like, I can't go down there just to see climax. Cause it's a long drive back post climax. (laughs) If you make it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, damn. Sounds like she had almost like an allergic reaction. Yeah. Right. To like something that they put, it must have been the anesthesia. The anesthesia, yeah. Wait, so is it? So it's common knowledge that you. It's common knowledge that I had a fistula, right? And got the, surgery on it. It was not as bad or painful as that. It was very. It was like a minor. The fistula itself was like a minor and annoying inconvenience that I lived with for like four years. But then finally my GP was like, you need to get fucking surgery, like just get it over with. And I was just freaked out and afraid to get it. So I had put it off for a long time. Um, But my recovery journey was not, it didn't include, yeah, it was chill for the most part. I mean, it was really sleepy and like in some pain, but not terrible and like, you know my butthole's well on its way to being like totally newborn butthole status. That's nice. Yeah. I sometimes get sugared, um, which is like waxing. Oh God. And it works for you. You're fair yeah. though. You have like, yeah, you have I like love dark it. hair. I love it. But they, you know, they, they do wax like your deep buttocks. Yeah. And I love a butt wax. Yeah. But this guy, like, I don't know if he was trying to tell me something. <laughs> <laughs> He literally, this guy in New York, he like blasts house music. <laughs> and and like, just like sugars your ass. Sugar, he's literally like, <laughs> get up on all fours. Come on. He's like kind of rough with me and I like keep going back to him. And I, don't yeah. know, I don't know what that's all about. But he literally was like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's like, you're in a situation with someone staring at your genitals and they start. With, he literally was you like, know. you know, there's this guy in LA who's like, who like does butthole surgery like specifically and i'm like is he like trying to tell me like i need butthole surgery is he i don't know Did you ask but him, like, like what are you trying to say i've never gotten like a bad comment on my asshole like from any guy <laughs> this guy he's like using but that the game fucked with me so big that's time rude because i'm thinking like this guy sees asses assholes all, all day time. long but he chose to tell me that, like there's someone who can like essentially like help me with my ass <laughs> <laughs> so like now we sort of have this complex that like i'm nervous about like in, when i like go to have sex i'm just like is so is he just is this like guy just not saying anything and he's like freaking out or and something? you're like i am i desperately in need of like plastic surgery Do I need, like <laughs> what happens but i I'm, thought he was gonna say like anal bleaching or something like that no he took it a like, step further yeah like you can never go back like, to this guy like a fucking like 
ass like a facelift for your asshole or something like that's the vibe that i got he didn't say that like i moved on quick because i'm just yeah, not ready to you're not deal trying to linger something. and like talk it out <laughs> but i think i don't know if that stuff happens for like like power bottom type of guy like i'm versatile like yeah i'll, I'll do kind of do whatever um but like i don't know if that's like a real thing but I mean, she, whatever she went through, did she ask a question or is she just telling no, us No, she's a just crazy telling me story? her story. Because I asked, like, originally I was only talking about this journey on the bonus episodes. And then last week I, like, revealed all on the mm. regular episode of Babe. And, but I asked for my fellow Sistulas to, like, reveal themselves because I was like, I can't be the only woman in this, like, community that has had to deal with this health troll. I'm, like, worried about, like, I don't. It must be just mortifying to, to like have that experience in front of anyone, even your husband, like your husband, like, <laughs> like, thank God you're married. He can't go anywhere. I would love, that's yes, like the can. only way I would want to have an experience like that. I think I'm so, I get so insecure and self-conscious that even in the height of a moment, like that's that extreme, I would still be so worried about like, what like, the other person We're getting a projectile vomiting, like shitting my pants at the same time. And I would just be like, hope he still likes me. <laughs> like, like, what can I do? I mean, that's like why I would want to get married is so that there would be someone that's like legally obligated to be there while I projectile vomit so hard that gauze shoots out of my ass. Like they can like, get in trouble for not helping yeah like you're like oh you didn't help me like i'm divorcing you and taking all of your money <laughs> but you know it goes in both that, ways it does when they get into that situation you have to also be there for that i gotta wonder you know like even if i love someone so much if they just started like if their shit was like hitting the ceiling like i don't I don't know if I might just like crab walk to the next <laughs> room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's a sign of true love. If there can be, you just like, throw yourself on the pile of shit, and you're just yeah, like, I'm I just love, like, I'm in this with you. Like, I love you no matter what. Like, let's clean you up and put you to bed. I mean, it, that's love. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my. I don't like, want that kind of love. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I'm shitting all over the place, I don't want anyone around. I'll deal with it. I'd rather die alone in this room than have someone like watch me do that. And if someone I love is doing the same thing, I just, I'll be in the next room. Good luck. <laughs> I realized too. I was like, because my mom was here helping me like post surgery and stuff, and so, but like leading up to the surgery, you have to like do like an enema before you go in and i'd only done that like one other time and it was like in preparation for like sex it was not like it was not in preparation for like surgery right and so this was like a much more stressful enema with like not a great like orgasm at the end right and nothing to look for nothing to. to look forward to and like the enema is the peak. Yeah, that's that as moment. good as it gets right. for the day. <laughs> <laughs> and when your day starts with a 6 a.m. enema and that's the high point, <laughs> like fucking watch out. <laughs> watch out. But I knew after this whole thing, I was like, God, a mother's love is so real because like as soon I like did the enema and everything was taken care of, we're like gathering my bag to like go to the hospital. And I felt the urge to like 
past gas and so i just like thought i would like silently fart and then promptly sharted and i was just like i was like oh no and then my mom goes oh no get to the restroom yes go to the and i was just like oh my god she was right there with yeah she was standing with me as i like actively sharted myself but she was supportive she's so supportive like she'll hover outside she's really supportive of me in the bathroom like it's and it's always concerned about me like yeah when we're when i go home to visit her like one time we went to a museum with like my boyfriend at the time and i was like felt the urge coming on like for a major brew so i was like i'll be right back i'm gonna use the restroom and then like (laughs) went to the restroom and I was in there for like three minutes and I heard her pop her head in the public restroom. Laura, are you in here? And I was like, yeah, I'm in here. I'll be out in a sec. And she's like, okay. And then two minutes later, she goes, Laura, are you still in here? And I was like, yes. Like, I'm not going. There's other people. There, yeah, there are other people coming and going. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, let me just. Oh my God. So she's the perfect companion to have. That reminds me of something that my old manager, Amy, used to do to me. She's like, <laughs> One of the funniest people I know. We'd be like in the airport. We're like about to go on tour. Maybe we're like in Amsterdam or something at the airport. And like she would do this. I would be like, hey, I'm I'm just going to run to the bathroom really quick or whatever. She's like, okay. And I would be just going to like walk into the, you know, there's people fucking everywhere in airports. (laughs) And she just, as soon as I like a step one foot in, she'd go, hey, Johnny. And I'd be like, everyone would stop and like stare and like look at me. And I'd be like, yeah. She'd be screaming. She'd go, pee or poop? (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone's just like looking at me, waiting for my answer. I love that. She's just like, fuck with me. It just brought back that memory. I haven't thought about that in a long time. That's a really good bathroom troll. Pee or poop? (laughs) (laughs) Yell their name first. (laughs) Johnny, pee or poop? I'm going to do that to someone. You have to do That's it. That's a really good one. Oh, so good. Let's see what Neither else we have. have. Hi, Lara and guest. This is the tale of an early 20s babe. I'm almost 33 now, so I can look back and laugh with only slight embarrassment. I was recently single from my first major relationship that lasted from age 16 to 20, so I was feeling young, wild, and free. Anyways, being the true monogamous that I am, I immediately after that disaster of a relationship, I became obsessed with this Serbian friend of mine. He was hot, Mm. he owned a company, and was fun to party with. So one night on my birthday, I ended up blowing him. At the time, I thought it was so thoughtful of him to let me know that he was about to come so I could decide to remove my mouth, spit, or swallow. I swallowed. Anyway, we had a mutual friend, so we hung out and partied all the time. He definitely saw me as just a friend, but that did not stop my babe obsession with him. My best friend was dating his best friend, so there were several occasions where the guys would be out at a bar. My BFF and I were only 20. After the bar, they would sometimes go back to my BFF's house. Anytime my crush would be at my friend's house, she would call me to come over. One time I woke up out of a dead sleep to fly across town while doing my makeup at 3 a.m. just to see him. So embarrassing. Mm. Like, hey, guys, I was just in the neighborhood that I'd stop in at fucking 3 a.m. Anyways, my crush and I hung out quite a bit when he'd be getting ready to leave. And when he'd be getting ready to leave a party, I would talk him into staying with a casual blowjob offer. I truly wanted to spend any time I could with him. I remember being wasted and saying something along along the lines of, you know, you don't want to leave. What, what other hot girls do you know that just want to blow you and ask for nothing more, babe? 
Anyways, the situation continued for a few months. One time he even drove an hour to my family's lake cabin so I could blow him. That time we at least... (laughs) That's kind of hot. One time we at least made out and he gave me some finger action. Side note, is there any way to use the word finger and not have it sound disgusting? I think finger action sounds a bit more dignified than fingered. I was emboldened by this advance of, of affection, so I demanded, I want to fuck. And he looked through his pockets and wallet, but no, had no condom, and we were literally in the middle of nowhere. When I got sassy, he said something like, I drove all the way up because you give great head. So, of course, I blew him, and then he left and drove back to town. On one occasion, I was at a party at my BFF's house, and this hot Russian dude and I were vibing. I was drunk, and my crush wasn't there, so I said, fuck it. I made out with this guy for most of the night, then went into the room where he proceeded to go down on me. I was enjoying myself, but then I got a text from my BFF in the other room saying, your crush is on his way over. So I made the hot Russian stop and proceeded to ignore him the entire night, despite his constant attempts to get me alone. So I'm a fucking asshole. The true babe of all this is that I'm now happily married and have been with my guy for 12 years, but I still have dreams about my old crush all the time. And the only time I think about him at all is after one of these dreams. I haven't seen him in over a decade for fuck's sake. Do you have anyone that haunts your dreams like this old Serbian flame of mine? Wow. Oh, do you have a dream? Any dream haunters? Uh, I mean, I have to be careful because I'm in a relationship mm-hmm. and I think the, I think the guy I'm dating right now is so lovely and understanding that I feel safe to say this. Okay. Like he would still, he would get it and he's just so wonderful like that. I think the guy just before him mm-hmm. is someone he just is, I've never met anyone like him in my life. And I fell hook, line, and sinker like I never have before. Mm-hmm. And he also was the most, you know, it sounds like this guy is the Serbian guy is like Serbian crush. Just blow, like she's blowing him a lot and he's not, she's giving. There, a yeah, lot. she's giving. He's taking. He's taking and that's it. And then did like a kind like of half ass finger, finger journey. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I mean, I, I was in a space kind of like that, but if, I feel like it was even more intense. Sometimes it's like those people who treat you bad, like you, you, you developed a pattern with this guy and mm-hmm. I developed a pattern with, with my ex where it's like, because you're giving so much, you do feel like you need to get something in return. And it sounds like, it never happened for her with this guy. Yeah. So there's that part of her that's still like, like fantasizing about it in her dreams, or she's still thinking about this because she never got what was hers. Yeah. You know? And I feel the same way, like in this, like this ex, like I gave so much my time and energy, lots of money, like my whole heart. And then some, and like, I didn't get that back. Yeah. Like not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that is his staying power in my life is that I, I feel like I'm owed something almost, you know? Yeah. Are you just, it's more than closure even. It's just like, yeah, the reciprocation or like, yeah, yeah. I and guess I it think is she, kind of closure. She might have not be thinking about him at all 
had they had a good run Mm -hmm. and kind of saw it through and it didn't work and they went their separate ways. But like this idea, it's this old tale as old as time. Like the thing you couldn't have, like you're just going to crave for a long time. But I don't know the solution for that. Yeah. I have no idea. What do you do? Do you have someone who you're just like thinking other than like, um, I did have Tony's other than Tony. I mean, I'm truly am haunted by the fact that James Gandolfini is passed away. Yeah. And like, I don't know, still don't know what I'm going to do about that. It hasn't happened in a long time. I like the last person I was really obsessed with was like three years ago. And then now I'm like not obsessed with him anymore. And we did get to like have a sexual relationship that was really intense and like, was this what the enema was? Yeah, this was the enema guy. Oh, it was like so a foray into anal that, and like pegging that really like changed a lot of things for wow. me. But then, yeah, that was like the last obsession I've really had. Are you dating now? No. Mm-hmm. But just like a solid no. Just like a solid no. But I will eventually. Because of like the medical stuff going on? Partially, I think that like through a wrench into my dating game because it's something I haven't wanted to explain, but it's like also I've just been like working a bunch and I, I don't know. I mean, I get it. There's times where like, I mean, I always want to be in, I guess it's not true. I'm, I always want to be in a relationship. It's my default, like be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. But like, as far as sex, like it really comes in waves. There's like, there'll be three months where I, where it's like a, suddenly as a priority like i want to have lots of sex yeah and then there can be like literally six months seven eight months where i'm just like not thinking about it at all and if i do have sex it's because i feel like i'm supposed to be but mm-hmm. it's not like this innate drive yeah and i don't know if that's normal for i don't know any other gay guys that go through that I feel like a lot of the men that I talk to period are like sex hounds. Like they just are wanting to have sex all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I have some sort of deficiency or, or maybe you're just, I are wired differently or something. Yeah, I'm kind of cool with it. Like, I think it's fine to like, like right now you're taking a break from it. And I think it's just brings you, it, it creates space to like for you to be closer to yourself. Yeah. And I really wanted, it's like, I feel in a lot of ways I felt like I had so much shit that I had to get together that like putting another person or like in the mix that I have to give my energy to in that way, like takes away from the energy I really need to give to myself to like do things like schedule this surgery or like, get my tax shit in order and like get my business up and running and like all this stuff that's really important that makes me feel good about me at the end of the day. My because relationships relation- aren't going to fulfill oh that God. like whole. I'm like, I, I need to like the guy I'm with now is great because he, he really does his own thing and he's self-sufficient. And like, I, I am the type that just, I go all in, in a relationship and I essentially like almost fully like hit the pause button on my own life on Mm -hmm. my own personal growth on like moving forward if there's someone else in the picture it's like nine times out of ten it's like it's all about them yeah and i'm always so willing to do that and it's not healthy it's not good and i really lose myself i lose my own identity my art is like 
like the music I make and the visuals that I make, like everything, like I can see them in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I really lose myself. So I'm excited about this new relationship because it's like someone who's just like, literally he'll just like, you can do it. Like that's his input. Not like maybe you should do this or maybe, you know, and I get like self-conscious and, and I get really impressionable and all that. Yeah. But like, so this is really nice. I don't know. It's kind of like a new thing, but I, I fully endorse your, thank you, you doing you right now. Yeah. It's so important. I like to have my own thing, like all set up so then I can meet someone else. Like, kind of like your deal where they have their whole thing set up and then we just choose to be together and around each other but one is not informing the other and like and some people like that's just my relationship style that I would prefer some people like to have like a really intertwined and like symbiotic kind of love relationship although I have seen people and I just hung out with someone the other day where I was like oh poor babe because I think they spent like like again, like life is all about balance mm-hmm. because I've I this girl she she's been in this whole like I'm not looking for a relationship thing like it started many years ago and it's just still going and I think now it's not so much she's not looking for a relationship it's just she's done like her life her way for mm-hmm. so long that I don't think I think it's going to be really hard for her to integrate her life with another person. With another person. Because she just had, like, everything from, like, the coffee she drinks to, like, the books she reads to, like, how long she goes hiking and where she goes hiking. And, like, everything is so specific. Yeah. And you get so into the routine. Like, somebody comes in and is like, oh, babe, why don't we go to this other cafe? You're just like, but, like, that's not the thing that I like. Mm-hmm. And, like, it literally, like, turns you off from people because you're so comfortable with, like, your thing. Yeah. And I felt kind of bad, like, oh, my God. Like, there's two sides to that coin. Yeah. And sure. I'm so I'm definitely trying not to slide into the, <laughs> like. Why do we mean curious? Because I know that it key. could be really easy to get to that place because it's been, it's been a lot. Like, I feel like I. I'm coming up on almost a year of the last time I had sex and like I've gone on a couple dates I think in that time but I'm just like over all of it so I just haven't gone there but I'm like I see how it could ease into just like another year or two goes by and then all of a sudden you're just like well this is me now (laughs) and like that I definitely don't resonate with that. But, like, I just feel like once I'm ready to be, like, out there, I'll be out there and, like, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But right now it's just my, like, incubation period. Sex is so weird. It's just, like, I think sometimes what holds me away from it is just being, like, I don't know. I think it's just a big thing to just be, like, so here's this. This is my penis. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it seems kind of normal, but, like, it's still, like, a big thing in my head, like, to just kind of be, like. This is my entire body. This is what I look like. Yeah. I cover it up all day long. And like you get to see everything and not just see it, but like really get in there. Yeah. It it is such an intensely intimate thing. Some people have no problem with it. For me, I think like with like that, that background as a kid, like being really modest and like sex was evil and And Christianity too. And I was raised that it's like, you don't have sex until you're married to someone. And like, that 
certain sexual urges are wrong, like homosexuality or anything along those lines is a sin. And so that's been something to reckon with that I didn't realize how much that fucked with me later on. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I'm bisexual and, like, I don't, I still have, like, a lot of shame around feelings of, like, attraction towards women and stuff. And oh, wow. It's just like, I can. But I can also be someone like I've had times where I've had like casual sex and I found it really enjoyable and whatever. But then Mm -hmm. there's other times where I'm like, I would love to take things really, really slow and like get to know this person and feel like I don't want to have sex too soon. Yeah. Like where it does seem like a big deal. Yeah. It's weird how we go from feeling like, like there have been times and I think the norm for me is to be like, like, fuck those like traditional um like conservative ways of looking at sex and like the christian viewpoint and all that like i know in my head like in the front of my mind that like being naked with another man or woman or however you do it like there's nothing wrong with that it's like why we're here because we two humans fuck and like a baby comes out Mm -hmm. or like you know like having sex is that's normal. Um, there's been times where like, I've been like really defiant where I'm just like, like I remember once I was at the cock in New York and I had just like done Coke off a guy's dick and I was like on the floor and I like pulled out my flip phone. And I was like, I'm going to call my parents right now. And I like <laughs> called them at like three, <laughs> called them at like three in the morning and I like went to their voicemail and I was like, mom, dad, I'm at this gay bar in New York called the cock. And I just snorted Coke <laughs> off the guy's dick. And I'm going to go home with the oldest man in the room. That's literally what and I hung up. They oh my God. They never, they mentioned, never it. mentioned it. To wow. Me. But I remember just being, there's times where I like fought back. Yeah. You know? That's um, a power move on their part to never mention it to you. I think it was so probably traumatic for them. That, yeah, that's true. That might be a flex. That is a total <laughs> flex of being like, like well, all right, we'll never speak of this. <laughs> Jokes on you. That's exactly. like the truest flex possible. They're trolling me about they that. I should bring it up you. all these years later. Be like, I'm really sorry about that voicemail that I left you. Right, that one that involved the one about I, when I called you from the basement of a gay bar called the Cock, and I had just snorted coke off a guy's dick, and I went home with the oldest man in the bar and called you and told you about. It. I just want you to know that. Like, I apologize. Yeah, like I for didn't interrupting mean your to. sleep. Yeah, <laughs> for interrupting you just for that. You're night. like, do you remember that? Yeah, that voicemail that I, I left you. I love to talk to them about that now. Let's do one more. Okay, I want one that like where someone needs advice. Okay, this is an advice one. Okay. My queen, Lara, I'm listening to a late 2018 episode with Graydon where your true whale energy is revealed. And I just want to say you've been my beacon of light in the darkness. That is my second year of graduate school. Is the whale from the cards? The animal you, spirit right. cards. Okay, yeah. yeah. That you did with Ed. That I did with Ed. Right. I did some with Graydon. Okay. Um, thanks for always providing me with laws, even when literally nothing else brings me joy. Anyways, I'm writing you today about a potential babe situation I may find myself in. 
Just before Christmas, my best friend from college got engaged. I flew out to NYC for the engagement. I was the only non-family friend that was invited and is likely going to be married in either May or December 2020. Both of them are from large and traditional Indian families, so I know the wedding will be a whole three-day situation with lots of festivities to participate in. As soon as they got engaged, I started to feel panicky about the potential of being a bridesmaid, even a chance of being a maid of honor. I do rotations for my third and fourth years of school and have almost zero control over my schedule. I graduate May 2021. To make matters worse, she just told me the other day the wedding will likely be in Playa del Carmen. Chic, but not for Mm. someone like me with no vacation days and no income. Mm. We're 27, so mostly everyone else that would be involved is working full-time and has a solid income. Not only am I concerned about the financial element, but I'm worried that I'm that if I'm in her bridal party, I will A, have no money to do anything, and B, can't just leave and participate in bride-related things on a whim. I have no idea how to approach this with her. She's incredibly understanding as a person, but is, is it babe of me to assume I'd be a bridesmaid and start to freak out about it before she's even asked me? Is it even more of a babe to bring it up to her completely unprompted and out of the blue? I don't want to assume I could be her maid of honor, but she doesn't have a sister and it's a possibility. I want to somehow make it clear to her that I would love to be part of her wedding, but I also, but also make it known that I'm the wrong choice for maid of honor and will not be the most reliable bridesmaids. (laughs) Any and all help would be greatly appreciated. Love and light. (laughs) I love just the honesty of being like, I'm going to suck. And yeah. Yeah. um, Oh my God. I think honesty is like just it's the best policy. Be transparent about how you're feeling because like I guess like I'm not really like big on weddings and I don't like I don't get excited about weddings and yeah. stuff like that but I guess like we all know that like like for the bride usually it's like a pretty this it's is a like pretty big the day. day. This is yeah. the day. Like this is a lot. Um so if you think you're going to <laughs> fuck her over, you should just let her know. I feel like she's going to love you even more for saying like, you know, like, yeah, for like, she's going to like choose someone else to fulfill that role that, you know, you're not going to be able to yeah. fulfill. Right. And you're doing both of you a favor and taking a lot of stress off by being just like, Hey, I don't know what you were thinking as far as wedding party. I know that there's a possibility I could be on the table, but like, this is the reality of my life. And I don't want you to be like disappointed in me because I can't afford to do all this stuff. Just being transparent. Yeah. And if she, if you are just saying like, look, I can't afford this. I like my, it's just, I, I literally am not in a place in my life where like, or in my mindset where I can do everything that I think you'll want. Like, like that's anyone who would have a problem with that. Like, that's not a good friend. Like a good friend is going to be like, babe, I understand. Like, we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. But a good friend's not going to guilt you and make you feel like shit. Yeah. So if you're worried about that, like there's a bigger issue. Yeah. And so I think honesty and then who knows, she might even offer to just like pay for all the stuff as part of the wedding expenses and then give you a pass. If you can't make certain things because of your schedule. Yeah. Like just be a straight shooter and like with love and kindness. And that's like always, that's what I've learned because like 
when you know it's it's often in life when like the the one thing you're the most afraid of Mm -hmm. it actually turns out to be like once you confront it it like it's such a gift like Mm -hmm. oh my god like we at the very least maybe you'll just grow closer because you had this little like honest kiki moment yeah um and at the most maybe you'll get an all expenses paid trip to play the carmen Carmen. yeah yeah perfect or something in between but like the one thing you shouldn't do is like not address it if you actually have this much anxiety. Yeah, address it quickly because address it quickly. You can. St- I'm like definitely someone who can stew in like just stress and anxiety for make something ever. so much bigger than it is. Yeah, and then it's way better to just like take care of it. And like maybe there's a way like you can deliver the news in a way that's like like nice like even though like you have limited income right now and maybe limited time and resources, maybe you could say like, you know, let's go for a, I I planned us a little picnic or something or like take, take her for a nice dinner or go to the movies together, like do something fun to deliver a message that it maybe isn't as fun in the moment, Yeah, but it just helps like sugarcoat, like something that's like not as fun. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah. So like you're offering something. That's why like a lot of kids like come out to their parents on their graduation day. Cause they're like, (laughs) I did it. And I'm gay. (laughs) Also I'm gay. (laughs) Cause the parents are like on a high. They're like, you know what? Get over here. We don't care. You did it. You know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. Find a nice time to, to get real. And that's where like real joy is going to come from in your life period. It's like the honesty of a human connection, like honesty creates connection, connection creates joy. So the one thing that's going to hold you and her back from joy is like both of you like stewing about something. Yeah. Well said. Thank you so much for being my guest. I loved it. I want to do it again someday. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> truly. Favorite pod. Um, tell it. everyone where they can find you. Oh, okay. So I have a band called The Drums. Um, we are releasing a record April 5th, which is coming up like in a few days. Um, it's called Brutalism. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's The Drums Official. And my personal is Johnny Pierce with no H. Um, yeah, that's kind of where you can find me. I love it. DM me. DM him. DM me, please. (laughs) Slide into the DMs. And tell all your friends about Babe. Tell all your friends about Babe. Rate five stars in iTunes. Give me a review. Say like, even if it's one sentence. Even if it's one sentence. I love this pod. Yeah. 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 Like, go for it. And, um... And also, aren't you still doing the IMDb star rising or did you give up on it? No, I haven't given up on it. I don't have IMDb Pro, so I can't check it. I depend on the readers to be updating (laughs) me. But the last update I got was that it had fallen to like, I peaked at like... I thought you and Graydon were going hard on that. Oh, I went hard. I think I broke like five figures, which is big. And then I slid back down to like... I lost like a hundred thousand points or something. So now I'm back down in like the six figure hell of IMDb obscurity. Well, when I, when I advertise this podcast on my socials, I'll look, well, I'll I'll push. Okay, cool. Yeah. We got to do a big, I'll link to your, I swipe up to your IMDb. It's go. Oh, perfect. We're going to do, uh, it's, you know, this is my 2019 goal. So it's only March. Oh, and only April when this podcast comes out. So, you know, there's time. Easy. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And until next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.